Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. If you are interested in transformational work, such as plant medicine, psychedelics, breath work, meditation, somatic practices, cold exposure, yoga, and more, then my friends, you are in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point, the podcast that is for practitioners as well as people new to transformational work looking curiously for more information and guidance. So if you are new to this type of work, uh, welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I am an integration coach and breathwork facilitator. I've also been meditating for about 20 years and um, do some mindfulness instruction as well. So this podcast um, brings you leaders in the fields of transformational work, whether that's um, psychedelics and plant medicine work, breath work, or a myriad of other types of modalities. And my goal with this podcast is to not only introduce you to new modalities and practices, but help spark your curiosity to go out and actually practice them. So I hope you enjoy today's episode of the show. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. My guest today is psychedelic integration coach, Aaron Dumay. And Aaron and I have a awesome conversation that revolves around the meaning of integration, how preparation is just as important uh, to the integration process as what happens after your medicine journey is done. And we also dive into the topic of trauma and being trauma-informed in the medicine space, uh, the importance of safety around that, and get into using the breath and some other techniques to uh, work with that. So really enjoyed uh, hearing more about Erin. She's an awesome coach. She's also in my mastermind coaching program that I'm going through for Beth Weinstein. And um, yeah, just really happy to bring you this episode and I hope you enjoy it as well. So welcome to the Vital Point podcast, the podcast where we talk about all different aspects of transformational practice from breath work to psychedelics, ice baths, meditation, you name it. If it's about transformation, we probably talked about it here. And my guest today is psychedelic uh, integration coach, Aaron Dumare. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So Aaron and I um, met, we, well, we're actually in a mastermind together from Beth uh, Weinstein. Um, however, when I first started this conversation with Aaron, I actually didn't know that we were in the group together. So oh. it was, it was really funny when I was like, hey, wait a minute, that's, that's Aaron. Yeah, I think. Um, I yeah. So uh, but we, we started having this really interesting conversation that I wanted to bring out into a bigger forum, um, which is about uh, trauma in the psychedelic space and specifically dealing with trauma and also, um, you know, avoiding uh, further trauma or re-traumatization. So before we get into that, Erin, why don't you just share with the audience like a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're at today professionally? Yeah, um, such a 
long, crazy story, right? I think all of our story is kind of similar and how we even ended up in this space. Um, I mean, I've been using psychedelics for healing for, can you hear me okay? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Um, been using psychedelics for the last 13 years um, for healing. I was in a, you know, codependent, toxic relationship, ending a divorce in 2008 when every, the whole world is crumbling. Um, and my brother uh, gave me some psychedelics and some mushrooms, went out to Lake Havasu and was like, I think you would really benefit from this. So I had the, a really beautiful experience, really coming home to myself, feeling more confident within myself and truly knowing who I am. Um, Throughout the years, I found myself in the rave scene, going to raves and having these amazing healing uh, sessions in the middle of the dance floor, just like, whoa, this is so beautiful. And, you know, back then you didn't really talk about it in the public. So there were, I w couldn't really describe to people the experiences I was having, um, but they were just so powerful. Uh, then there was a tragic thing that happened in our family. Um, in 2017, my brother overdosed on heroin and, um, I had known and heard about Ibogaine at that time. So I gathered my whole family together and we took him down to Mexico and he had an Ibogaine experience. Um, and he also did 5-MeO-DMT, which I didn't know what 5-MeO was at that time. Um, since then, he's been he's been sober since that one, you know, Ibogaine experience. But really, it was the 5-MeO-DMT that opened me up to so much more. Um, my mother and I went down to Mexico and had this 5-MeO experience. And we had, like, healed so much generational trauma with each other and within the family. And um, ended up finding my whole family, my mom, my dad and all my siblings together in ceremony at some point, really healing with each other. Um, and I knew that there was something so much bigger here. I was like, okay, I owned a hair salon in La Jolla at the time. Um, and I was, you know, describing to clients and my staff and all these people, how beautiful these were. So I used to cater women down to Mexico to have these five MEO experiences. And it was just, it was just so beautiful, these ceremonies that we were having. So um, I knew there was something more, you know, I was an, a very successful hairstylist in La Jolla. Um, I was helping women feel confident on the outside, but I knew that I wanted to help on the inside as well. And I, and I knew that psychedelics was like a really great tool to use in conjunction with this deep work. So I, sold my hair salon. Um, I quit doing hair and now I am a full-time psychedelic integration coach. Wow. Yeah. It's quite a journey. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious just because of your experience, I, I often find when people talk about using Ibogaine, especially in the context of you know, curing addiction, that it's coupled with the 5-MeO-DMT. Do you have any insight or like personal opinion about why those two medicines go so well together? I don't. I actually have never done 
Ibogaine before, so I'm not really sure why they do that, but I have heard that it just like ties the whole experience together. Um, I know of some facilitators that will do ayahuasca and then end it with 5-MeO as well. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure about like the reasoning behind it. Yeah, because I, I have a friend, actually the person that facilitated my 5-MeO um, journey for the first time. She had a similar experience where she went to Mexico to be able to get off of heroin and had an Ibogaine experience. And then, you know, the 5-MeO was sort of like an afterthought. But I just, I think it's really fascinating not knowing too much about Ibogaine itself, like why those two medicines are always um, paired up. Seems kind of interesting to me. Yeah, it is really, really interesting. How would you, how, how would you like, say the integration for 5-MeO, um, like how, how was that experience for you? Because, you know, for for those who don't have any experience with it, like 5-MeO, I, I would consider to be one of the most, let's say like extreme um, of the psychedelics. Like it definitely goes from zero to a hundred really quickly. Whereas, you know, some other medicines are a little bit more gentle in their approach. You know, um, 5-MeO for me, it was like a complete dismantling of who I thought I was as a person, as a ego, as, as Jonathan. Um, and then, you know, sort of as you come back, sort of putting those pieces back together in this really interesting way. Yeah, I think that finding, you know, integrating 5-MeO, it starts with preparation always. Um, I work for a really beautiful retreat center down in Mexico with some facilitators down there with 5-MeO and I help those participants integrate. So I'm really familiar with the integration process of 5-MeO. And I feel like the process of integrating it is, is really just bringing those pieces back together and becoming whole, but building the practice of staying within that spiritual practice, spiritual container, that spiritual energy that you felt of like being whole and being with one and knowing that we are all part of the earth and part of the plants um and the sense of of being one i know a lot of the participants when they come back their meditation practice is really strong it's really really strong they like are are dived into it they like um they're journaling is also equally as strong and so really what it comes back to is like what was shown for you within that psychedelic space and pairing it with like I, I have guided meditations or guided embodiment journeys to really help facilitate or like ground into those um, teachings that were were brought to the medicine space because um, so many of us are like okay boundaries came up in my medicine space, but how do I, how do I create a boundary? What does it even mean? You know, so many of us don't even understand. I mean, I, I know I didn't, I had no boundaries when I first started doing this work. My energy was all over the place. So it's about like coming back home to myself and knowing who I am. 
um, and finding that self-confidence. So, yeah, I think that that's a really interesting thing about that particular medicine is that even though it's a, such a brief experience in that space, um, it can be really long lasting, you know, in terms of the effects that it has on a person, um, even like the reactivations that can occur. And like you said, you know, keeping an intentionality about, you know, your experience and, and really trying to like bring your experience back into your waking life um, can really help that, that process of like, okay, like what, what, what's going to stick here? What's going to remain with me? And how is it, how is it changing me as a person? Yeah. And I, again, I want to like circle back to the preparation. I think that's everything. I didn't know preparation when I went into this type of work and since now I do, but I actually had a, a reactivation with 5-MeO-DMT and I did get re-traumatized in that space. And it was very traumatic and traumatizing and I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to turn to. And I was, um, I think it's really important that we are aware that these spaces can re-traumatize people if we're not fully prepared and understand how to journey in these spaces. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that a little bit more. So in terms of preparation for, you know, doing plant medicine work, what are some best practices or what are some things that people should be aware of? Um, for preparation, I always like to, you know, obviously we've all heard the set and setting. I think that one is always a something that is a foundation within this work to come back to, like, what is your mindset? What, what is your setting? Who is your facilitator? Where are you at? Um, those are the most important, not only that, but then the skill set. how do you journey? You know, what are we, what are you doing inside that journey space? Um, I know for me, like when I teach people how to, how to prepare, I teach them a set of tools. It's almost like having a backpack full of tools with them. So when they are in journey space, they know what to do. They know how to, um, uh, yeah, ground in themselves. Uh, and I really prepare them for any like scenario that may come up. And also, um, I want to make sure the person's nervous system is regulated, like do they already have a well-regulated nervous system? So many, I know for myself, I was stuck in like the fight flight scene and I had a lot of anxiety and I was like already so like pented, pent up. I, my nervous system was unregulated. So I don't think I was a good candidate at that time to go into that space. And my setting was also not secure as well. So there was many factors that ended that, um, contributed to my re-traumatization. So I always, I really um, focus on, you know, preparation. How do you journey? How's your nervous system? Were you recently traumatized? What, where are you at right now in your life? Are, have you had a recent grief? Um, if you are going through like a big transition in your life, it's probably not the best time, you know, not saying that you can't eventually, but these are all factors into what can happen in these spaces. Um, I always like to do what like a tri a titrated approach in helping people, meaning like 
I will um, start off with like microdosing or doing small doses and regulating our nervous system within that space to see so you can have like an introduction into the medicine space and learn how to regulate your nervous system through that and then building titrating up from there. Um, and that's really, you know, the SC work. Um, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I think that's a great approach. Um, you know, I, I, we do that with so many other things in life, right? Like if you use the example of exercise or lifting weights or, you know, even the way that we teach children in school, you know, you don't throw a kid in elementary school into a calculus class, right? You teach them yeah. arithmetic and then multiplication and algebra. There's thing, there's skills that build upon each other before you get into these really big concepts. And yeah. I, think, I think that doing that in expanded states of consciousness um, is, is really wise, you know? Um, I had a friend here in Tucson that uh, owned um, a float of uh, like flotation center, you know, for sensory deprivation floating. And she would always recommend it to people um, before they were going to do journey work, you know, do plant medicine work. And her, her, uh, like the logic behind that was like, well, before you like put on a rocket pack and like blast off into the cosmos, like you should just check in with yourself and see if you can like spend an hour or two just, you know, with yourself without any distractions, you know, just with your own mind and body and like it's a good, it's a good preparation. It's a good way to check in with yourself and have, um, you know, just a, a good barometer of where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. So what are, what are some, what are some ways that you recommend to people to like help regulate their nervous system? Yeah, I, you know, for folks who, one of the biggest challenges I always try to offer to people is go outside without your phone, without any podcast, without any music, without anything, and just walk around the block connecting to your breath and just take a look at your surroundings and see what you see and feel what you feel. Um, even just that, just walking around your neighborhood with just yourself can really be good um, start. It's a really good start. Um, of course, there's breath work people can get into. Um, I really enjoy taking like deep, like the, I don't know if there's a specific name for it, but breathing in for a count of four, pause for a count of four and relax for a count of eight. Mm -hmm. um, those are really great ways to uh, regulate our automatic nervous system. And yeah, and you know, working with a somatic practitioner like myself, I'm able to like gauge where, you know, a client is. And if we have, if I can see that somebody has a lot of anxiety or a lot of stress, sometimes going for a walk around the block may cause more anxiety. So I always like to be mindful and like meet the client where they're at and see what works, you know, uniquely curated for them. Yeah, you touched on a couple of like really key points there. Um, especially in regards to the breath, um, 
So as, as we um, extend our exhale, as we make that exhale longer than our inhale, we're sending signals through our vagus nerve to the you know, autonomic nervous system, basically like signaling our body that it's safe to relax, it's safe to go into our rest and digest system, our parasympathetic, rather than being in our fight or flight. So, um, you know, that just in and of itself is kind of a hack um, as we start to, you know, breathe deeper and, and slower, just remembering to trying, trying to ex extend that exhale. And then the other thing that you touched on that I really like is, you know, just, it sounds like almost taking an audit, you know, like, can you, <laughs> like, we've become so dependent on on our phones on on distractions on things constantly sort of uh, keeping us from being present you know can you like put that phone down and just go out into your natural environment you know like uh, sort of ancestrally you know we're not used to living outside but this is, this is where we came from right and just mm -hmm. see like what what happens you know where what what goes on in your body you know what senses start to come alive you know what sort of sensations start to come up um good or bad you know and just just noticing um what's happening because within within the you know plant medicine work that you're going to do all, all of that stuff is going to be magnified you know a hundredfold right so i, I love that that you know that first step of like hey let's just start to disconnect and reconnect inwardly and just just check in to see where you're at mm -hmm. um what other things can people do to prepare you know i think when you say re-traumatizing do you think that there's a difference between like people with intention that are going into journey work, like kind of to deal with the trauma or that they know that they have um, a, a, like a history of trauma versus somebody that like might be discovering something like in that medicine space? Yeah, I think it's also really important to define what trauma is and, and why it is so important. So you know, trauma is anything that um, a survivor stores within the body. It isn't the event itself. It's how our, ner our nervous system reacted to it. And that can happen, you know, even just being born is traumatic, you know, like uh, pre-verbal, a lot of pre-verbal, um, there's a lot of pre-verbal trauma that can happen within you know, our nervous system, or we had a traumatic experience and cognitively we understand it and we made sense of it. We worked with a therapist or whatever. And, and we're like, okay, I know the trauma. I understand it. I see how it worked. I see how this, but the nervous system is still, you know, it still remembers the body still remembers even before we can verbally talk about what happened. Our body still remembers. And every single person is, I mean, I'm pretty sure most humans walking this earth, unless you're a Buddha or something, is traumatized. So going into these spaces, it's really important to understand what happens with the body in traumatized 
events, right? So like somebody who's in a, who got in a really bad car accident and, you know, you get in a car accident and normally what happens in, in the wild, I'm going to back up a little bit. I think I'm all over the place. So um, what happens in the wild when an animal is traumatized or being chased, uh, they lay in the middle of the field and they start shaking and their body and their, ner their automatic nervous system is releasing the trauma from their body. But what happens when we get into a car accident or something traumatic happens to us, we're embarrassed, we're scared, we don't want to cry, we don't want to scream because, you know, our, we're, our society has told us to, you know, not process these things. So what happens is you like get out your phone and you're exchanging, um, you know, phone numbers or insurance companies or whatever, but yet your nervous system is still like, wait, we, we didn't process this. And so usually what happens in these spaces, right? So like people who are in car accidents, their body might go like this in um, a psychedelic space. And we're like trying to like release those, like uh, complete the trauma cycle is what we're doing. We're allowing our bodies to go into that space, release the, oh man, my vocabulary, here we go. The energy that's there. Yeah, release the energy, thank you. And, and then come back out into a parasympathetic nervous system. So when, during the, um, during my preparation process, you know, I go through all of these things, like what can happen and, and to not to resist it. Cause when we resist it, it's making it worse. And when we resist something, sometimes we end up re-traumatizing because we're, re we're resisting it. We're not allowing the full trauma cycle to be complete. So that's basically what happened to me in my psychedelic experience. I was resisting it. I ended up being stuck in the fight flight stage and I didn't allow the, the cycle to complete. So then when you're in those places, what are, what are some things that, that someone could do to kind of help complete that cycle? You mentioned shaking. Yeah, that's something like for me, like, um, I, I started to notice that, you know, after I started to do somatic work that I, my leg would shake, not specifically like while I was doing the somatic work, but sometimes, especially with cannabis, which I thought was like really yeah. like interesting. Um, and it, it, it happened this one time, like I was thinking about a particular uh, memory with a, with a family member that wasn't too pleasant. And I noticed that like, I started to shake. And instead of like, like you're saying, like avoiding it, um, sort of calling it off or, you know, walking away from it, I really use the opportunity to like lean into it. And I noticed that like the thought and the emotions that were kind of coupled with that thought um, kept getting stronger and stronger, right? And as the and it was going along with the shaking, and then as the shaking kind of died down, um, you know, like I, I felt a lot better. And what I remembered, all of a sudden, I like put these two things together. Was like I remembered being, um, you know, like an adolescent and doing this shaking thing with my leg. Yeah. And I would do it like unconsciously. It was something that I felt like I could 
sort of like jumpstart and then it would sort of play itself out. And um, I would say over the last couple of years, like I've really learned to resource myself with that, you know, being, meaning that like when, like I can tap into that function, that shaking um, and release, um, you know, energy that way, release like anxiety that I have in my body. And it's really interesting because it's like, I can still jumpstart it, but I can't just continue to do it. Like once it's discharged, I can't like start it again. You know, I might come back to it a couple of days later or a week later or something like that. Um, and I know that there are, you know, specific schools like the trauma release exercises that, you know, really like teach people how to resource themselves in that way. For myself, it was, it was this realization of like, oh, wow, like this is something that I've done unconsciously to release trauma Mm -hmm. ever ever since um you know childhood yeah but i'm interested you know like in in what are some other resources that you know people could kind of use in those spaces yeah i love this question i i tell people to get primal you know this is a primal mm -hmm. space like dig deep like as if you're giving birth to yourself you're giving birth to your you're like getting unstuck, getting unparalyzed, and you're birthing your new self. You're birthing your new purpose. You're like understanding what has been holding you back. And that can look like roaring or screaming or crying or laughing. You know, so many of us are afraid to laugh or make be really silly. You know, whatever wants to come out, I really truly encourage my the participants to just be however you want to be. And that's why it's so important to have a safe space with somebody who's non-judgmental, um, someone who can like really be there with you in your most vulnerable time and your most insecure time. So yeah, shaking the body is one. Um, going down and doing like moving the body even and just like dancing around um, can really get unstuck to get out what's been keeping you paralyzed, things like that. I love that. Um, yeah, like within within breath work, you know, that's that's also what I encourage my clients to do is like two of the two of the best ways to like move that energy are either through the actual movement itself and making sound. You know, like and I always encourage people to to make sound, and it's always kind of funny because like I'll do it in the beginning of the session. I'll be like, now just you know just just to try it out, like just make whatever sound your body wants to make like right now and just let it be as expressed as it wants to be. And usually it's just me up there like going, ah, and like all this room full of people just kind of staring at me. But when people are able to like really lean into that, it's such a good way to move that energy and like actually get it out, you know, get it, move it to completion. Like you said. Yeah. Complete the, the, you know, there's the trauma vortex and the counter vortex. I'm going to get super nerdy or scientific. I don't mean to, but, you know, we have this stream of life. And sometimes when a traumatic experience happens, we go into a trauma vortex. But then, you know, sometimes people get stuck in that trauma vortex and we don't know how to get out. And so we want to come out into the, the counter vortex. And um, I think it's just so powerful. Like, yeah 
like you said, just use your voice. Let's just make any noise you want or move around in any way you want. And it's really, really powerful. Well, and I think to kind of stay on sort of the nerdy, you know, place, you know, it sounds like what you're describing is, you know, kind of a state of being frozen, right? And if we're talking about the nervous system, if we're talking about the polyvagal theory, um, our nervous system is a ladder. So in order to like get unfrozen, we have to go through the fight or flight. You know, we can't just go from frozen to like normal. We really have to like fight or flight our way out of it. And so how are we going to do that? You know, we can make noise, we can move, we can utilize that energy, but like we have to do something to get from that frozen state into, you know, back into like a, a regulated rest and digest kind of place. So I really appreciate, you know, the, the simplicity of it. Like it sounds simple. Okay. Like, yeah, make noise or move around. But these things are like you saying, like are primal and there's, they can be so powerful just having the freedom to express ourselves in whatever way we need to, you know, like a child, right? Like a child, when you watch a, ch a child playing, they're not judging themselves. They're not worried about like what you think of their play, how they're, you know, what they're doing. They're just being fully expressed. And as we get older, as we start to, you know, sort of put those parts away, we start to like forget about that just pure self-expression, right? Like we're worried about, um, you know, for, you know, walking it off, sucking it up, man, you know, man up, you know, like you said, just be, or even like you said, with the example of the car accident, just being um, kind of consumed with the adult uh, processes that you have to go through. Like you can't just get out of a car accident and be like, okay, like, give me a second. I need to release some somatic energy. You, you've got to, you know, get the person's insurance and, you know, take pictures and deal with all the adult stuff. Yeah. Exactly. The, um, <laughs> I, I remember watching um, this uh, somatic experiencing uh, video this one time, and they were talking about the, you know, the animal example that you gave earlier of, you know, the, the gazelle that gets, you know, getting chased by the lion and goes into this free state and then gets up after the danger is gone, shakes itself off and goes along in its day. And the, the example, I thought she was kind of being really funny with it. She said, you know, the gazelle doesn't go home and develop a drinking problem or like beat their partner or, you know, like overeat, you know, it's just, it's, you, you completes and then it's done. And, you know, there's a lot of wisdom that we can find from that, that like primal animal, um, you know, process. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of, um, wrap it up um what are you know, like if somebody came to you like brand new like what what's one thing that they should definitely start doing for their preparation integration um process i mean i'm sure that everybody is unique right everybody has different modalities or practices that they're going to take to but is there like one thing that you like always go to like okay this is really important I always recommend this. I always recommend meditation. I think if you can really sit with yourself for an extended period of time, then you'll be able to get the most out of your psychedelic experience. 
Um, that's my go-to, definitely. Because before I started this work, I had no meditation uh, practice whatsoever. And it was interesting though, because the medicine space taught me how to meditate. So it's hard to like say how to prepare for it because it's really unique for every single person. But really, you know, if I knew how to meditate going into my first space, I probably would have gotten a lot more out of it. But you know, my first lesson was how to meditate. But if you already know how to meditate, then you'll get to your next lesson. So I think that meditation is such a huge, um, yeah, yeah, meditation is great. I, I love it. I meditate twice a day now. And awesome. yeah, I'm like uh, the grumpiest person if I don't meditate. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually agree with you. Like meditation is definitely one of, you know, one of my go-tos and, and, and mindfulness is like for sure something that I like always try to work on with people and I think that you're there's a, a, a sort of another aspect of recommending people start a mindfulness practice is like mindful practicing mindfulness developing a meditation practice can help you tune out or like be able to move past some of the noise that's just happening in our in our background right but I think it also is going to highlight the areas that really do need attention, you know, like the, the bigger things. Um, like there's that, you know, sort of analogy within meditation of like muddy water, right? And if you allow the water to settle, all the dirt and, and mud go to the bottom and the water is basically clear. But as the, as the dirt, as that mud kind of settles, you're also going to be able to see like the rocks and the things that, you know, that aren't going to settle to the bottom um, that might be hidden if all the time, you know, if, you're, if your water is muddy all the time. Mm -hmm. So like um, I love mindfulness just for the, the clarity that it can show you about like, oh, here's this other anxiety that's not really getting helped by my meditation practice or here's these thoughts or memories that are coming to the surface or, you know, you know, kind of recurring that maybe you're shining a light on an area that, um, you know, deeper medicine work will help with. So yeah, I agree with you. Like meditation is really a, a foundational practice, I think for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And man, a thought came to my head and then it disappeared. Um, Oh, I was going to say, yeah, because we, 95% of our brain is unconscious and that is what is steering the boat. And if we're constantly being distracted and looking at other things and we're stuck and we, you know, I know for myself, I was like looking for my purpose. I was looking for what, you know, I wanted to do in my life, but I was just so much distraction that once I start doing this work and being mindful and like that, I love that analogy with the mud and like letting that all go, it you open up a whole new thing of, like you said, what wants to be worked on? What wants to be cleared away? What's the next, what's our next lesson, you know, in this life? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Erin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure. Where can people um, go to learn more about you or, you know, if they want to work with you? 
Yeah. They can go onto my website, erindumare.com, which is literally just my name.com. Um, I even have a free resource on there if you're looking to microdose. There's actually five different psychedelics that can be microdosed. I know so many people think it's just psilocybin, but there are um, for others. So you can go in there, get a free gift, know what, what um, other types of psychedelics that are able to be microdosed. Awesome. Well, everybody yeah. should check that out, especially if you are new to the microdosing scene. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I was trying to like list off all five in my mind. I'm like, let's see. <laughs> yeah. so, I'll let you. Definitely, yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out too. Thank you, Jonathan, so much for having me and having this chat. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and I uh, look forward to uh, continuing to get to know you through the Mastermind program. Yeah. Same. All right. Awesome. Take care. Have a good afternoon. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the podcast. I hope that you not only enjoyed it, but that you feel inspired to go and do some practice of your own. You know, whether that is something that is a part of your regular routine, like meditation or breath work, or trying something new, like uh, taking an ice bath or starting a new mindset practice maybe you feel curious to something that you've been called to try you know working with a new teacher a new facilitator or maybe even working with uh, psychedelics or plant medicine in whatever way is safe and legal for you where you live my hope is that you are you know curious and continue to expand your transformational practice and that this podcast inspires you to continue doing that. As always, if you can follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, it definitely helps. And if you can leave a review, even just a few reviews really help to push the podcast up in the algorithm and help make it more visible to more people. I'd love it if you shared it with your friends, if you're finding it valuable or interesting. As always, follow me at Blue Magic Alchemy on Instagram, all one word. And if you're interested in learning more about breathwork or you'd like support integrating or preparing for self-development transformational practice, reach out to me at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com or at Instagram to set up a discovery call for Instagram coaching. Until next time, thank you, be well, and keep practicing. That's the vital point.